Welcome to the Custom Apparel Startups Podcast, your best source for information, news, tips, and tricks to get you off the ground running and earn success with your custom apparel decorating business. So get ready to soak up some knowledge. Now, here are your hosts, Mark and Mark. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 72 of the Custom Apparel Startups Podcast. My name is Mark Stevenson from Colbessi. And this is Mark Vila with Coleman and & Company. And today's a really cool episode, actually. Um, we've, got, we've got a world-famous star, um, <laughs> just, just well-renowned. A published, uh, a published author. <laughs> I, uh, literally, I'm looking at my Kindle right now, and yeah. I have the book on it. Uh, you actually—that's interesting. Well, I mean, that wasn't the book. But oh, this oh is the okay. Book. That's the, okay. all right. Then. Um, well, we're talking about uh, uh, profit first. Yes, yeah. is, is the book that kind of expi- inspired um, our guest today. And we did a podcast about uh, six episodes ago. Ish. Yeah. Honestly, I did not look it up. But you guys should just go to the. Make sure you go to customapparelstartups.com if this happens to be the first one you're listening to. And you will see some episodes about profit, and we did another one about um, time budgeting as well, right? And budgeting, budgeting money and time. But today, um, we're going to go ahead and really dive into this idea of making your business profitable. So, Mark, yeah, tell hey, us of- um, this is uh, we, we've got Mike uh, Mikalowitz. Am I saying that right, Mike? You nailed it, man. Okay, cool. I, I was practicing quite a bit, honestly. Right. I. <laughs> I was I was hoping I listened to your. Podcast. I'm still practicing and still struggles. That was pretty good. That's good. So the reason that the reason that Mike is here is because um, we actually had a recommendation from one of our uh, Facebook group members, uh, Shelby Craig, who does a great job in his own business printing custom T-shirts in uh, in Tennessee, and uh, he just said that this book changed his business, and uh, and then I had to read it, so I did, and um, I got to say. You know, it's you. You share some some really practical, exciting ideas. Oh well, thank you. I, I, you know, I actually wrote that book originally. At least the concept was to fix my own challenges, and I came aware that that I wasn't the only guy going through financial challenges. Um, and happy that that one of your one of your fans discovered it and shared it with you guys. Yeah. Cool. So, so why don't you give us give us the rundown? Because um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, my wife's an accountant, and uh, I'm in sales and marketing. So naturally, we have nothing in common. <laughs> and, and this is one of the things we definitely don't have in common. So why don't you kind of talk to everybody about how you came up with this profit first system and why, and then a little bit of the nuts and bolts. Yeah. So I, I don't know if your wife was. Uh has disdain toward the book quite a few accountants and bookkeepers read it though and say gosh this is this is so anti-accounting but you know there's i'm finding a faction and a growing faction of accountants and bookkeepers who say who see that this is a kind of an umbrella over traditional accounting but it's necessary for many entrepreneurs the reason is is um here's how i manage my my money my accountant would say mike never look at your bank account because that's not representative of where your business stands. What, what's representative of it is your income statement, your balance sheet, your cash flow statements. There's these different metrics, KPIs, budgets, blah, 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 blah. And all that stuff would just fly over my head. It still does, quite frankly. I, 
I yeah. barely know how to read an income statement. Uh, I can fake my way through it, but uh, a balance sheet or a cash flow statement, forget it. So what I would do is I would revert to what I call bank balance accounting, which means I would log into my bank account, see what money's available and react a couple of ways. You know, if there's, there's a lot of money, I'm like, oh, I can spend it. Uh, if there's no money, I'd say, oh, damn, uh, and panic would ensue and I would sell anything to anybody. Yeah. Um, so it was a very reactionary based cash management system, but it was my ultimate shortcut because I had to see what money I have and then trust my gut. Well, what I came to realize is that in its raw essence is a very poor cash management system. Um, but I also realized I had all do something that's more effective, but couldn't find a way to actually do it. And I think this is typical of many entrepreneurs that we are really good at being promoters for our business, maybe really good at operating our business. But when it comes to the numbers, we think we're really bad. And so we revert to this ultimate shortcut. And I think to change our behavior, even though we know there's a different behavior that may serve us better, is really hard. So yeah. I developed a system so that I don't need to change anything. In fact, I continue to do today exactly what I've always done. I log into my bank account daily. I already did this morning. But by using the profit first system, I start channeling my natural behavior to bring the results I want. That's the key. Don't try to change yourself. Change the system that can channel your existing behavior to get the results you want. And the essence of profit first is this. Historically, most businesses, and I, I suspect most of your fans listening right now, have one, maybe two bank accounts. But they, they inevitably have one primary checking account where all their deposits go in and uh, all the bills get paid out of it. Yeah. The problem that happens is when we're looking at that account, when money comes in, we say, wow, we got a lot of money and we can spend it. Uh, and when there's no money there, it, it, it invokes this panic. The, the reason is that one account acts as what I call a serving tray. Kind of like when you have a, a family dinner or whatever uh, and you serve a meal on a serving tray, you don't tell your family, hey, everyone, uh, you know, grab your knife and fork, everyone for themselves. No, what you do is you actually apportion some of the food to everyone's plate to make sure that everyone at the table has something to eat. The serving tray actually is simply just a display and serving platform, but you never eat off of it. That's the foundational essence of Profit First is that we're going to set up bank accounts at your bank. One account is going to be a serving tray where money comes in, but you never pay a bill from there ever again. And then we're going to portion pieces of that money to different accounts that serve different purposes. One of them serves profit. Another one, make sure that the owner's owner or owners are being paid, uh, that our tax liabilities are addressed, that our operating expenses are addressed. And what we do is we divide the money up. We apportion it to these different plates, if you will. And then you know prior to utilizing your money what the intended purpose is. You see how much money has been allocated to profit. You see how much money has been allocated to pay you, how much money is truly available to run your business. And the, the final part I want to share is the reason I call the book Profit First is one of the foundational, I believe, flaws in accounting is that we're told profit comes last. And it's a logical argument. I mean, it makes sense logically, mathematically. You have to have income, sales. You have to subtract the expenses you incur. Uh, and then what's left over is profit. But the problem is from a behavioral standpoint, when something is a leftover, when something comes last, uh, behaviorally means it's insignificant. Like if you, if you got rushed to the hospital and they said you got to change your diet, uh, you got to start exercising and do things, otherwise you're going to die, you don't come out of the hospital saying, you know what, finally I'm going to put my health last. No, you say I'm going to put my health first. It's human nature. What comes first gets addressed. What comes last gets delayed or even ignored. And we've been 
trained that profit comes last. We call it the bottom line. We call it the year end, which means they can wait till later. And so the fundamental shift uh, in, in the psychology around profit is there's a new formula that I argue is sales minus profit equals expenses. And every time there's a transaction, we take our profit first, allocate that profit account, and then run the business off the remainder. And while mathematically, we're just swapping variables. So effectively, it's the same. From a yeah. behavioral standpoint, now prior, profit is a priority, and we force it to happen, therefore assuring permanent profitability in our business. So, so here's, there, there's a, a couple things that I love about what you just said um, as it relates to our customers. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mark was just uh, talking, Mark Vila was just mentioning um, before we got started today, giving like an example of the way our, our, our listeners are typically managing their, their supply budgets and things like that now. Yeah, and, and when we, in the, our e-commerce store, you know, in our, in our ColemanandCompany.com, where, where you go and you purchase all your supplies for, you know, for your DTG printer and, and, and digital heat effects and embroidery machine and all that stuff. So what, what typically happens, what we see with, with our customers when we look at it as a whole, is, yeah. is that so many small business owners and it, it and doesn't matter how much money they're making in your business or but um, it's a matter of like small meaning that the person who is doing the sales is pro probably helping with some production yeah you know it's 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 a husband it's and a, a wife one team. to three person business yeah it's a family yeah. you know so what happens is 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 you and your family start this business together or you and a really good friend start this yeah. business together and then you run your business the same way that you like and mixed within your household budget right so you're you are we have customers that are you know they use their personal credit card and they a have they also have card. their business they have, so they have two credit cards on file yeah but one of them is there is goes to their house as the billing address and the other one goes to the business meaning that that they're they're not managing that the the money, the profit, the payroll, the utilities, the supplies, the taxes, right. all that stuff well enough. They're not they're not thinking about it until it's time to until you've got a big order or something like that, and it's time to buy blank shirts or it's time to buy right. buy ink. And then they're looking at their money, going, "Oh crap, yeah. you know, I need to use these three credit cards in order to get this next deal out." Yeah, and then your personal debt goes up while you're and it, and it's not properly represented, and then um, you go ahead. So what you do is after you sell, uh, after that order com completes, right, and you get your final check from your customer, you end up paying your your car payment or your yeah, or, you know, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. So there's this big mix, and then in the end, just like Mike mentioned, uh, they're they're looking for this how much profit did I make? And actually then, then it, it disappears yeah. because there is no profit at that point in time. Right. What your right. business is, is, is like, it's, it's survival. Yeah. Yeah. It's and not looking at and, it like profits and business. And I read your story, Mike. I know, I know that you, you went through, through something like that a few times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, hopefully have eradicated, um, that from my life. But I think that is a very normal, meaning typical and common entrepreneurial phenomena. I actually call it entrepreneurial uh, poverty. And what, what entrepreneurial poverty is, is this outward perception of the world around us that thinks we're wildly successful. 
I suspect that the day you start your, you know, your teacher printing business, all your friends are like, holy cow, you're an entrepreneur. You're, you must be making so much money. They hear yeah. about the top line sales. You get an order for you know, $5,000 or $10,000 or whatever it is. And they're like, wow, you're making $10,000. When the reality is um, we're spending you know, $12,000 to support that $10,000 sale. And so internally, we are struggling. We're surviving check by check. There's this massive swings and volatility of inbound cash and outbound cash. And we're, yet we feel we have to perpetuate this persona of success. So there's this what I call entrepreneurial poverty. We look wildly successful while inside the stress is unbelievable. And so the resolution goes back to this, this system I was talking about with Profit First, which by the way, isn't a new system. I think it's a new application of an existing system. Okay. It's the envelope system. Now, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Are you guys familiar with that? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so my, my mom uh, actually brought that to my house when, when I was a child and, and raised my sister and I, uh, our family, on the envelope system. And specifically what she did was like she worked at a local factory and uh, she would cash in her checks. She worked part-time. Volatile income, by the way, when you work part-time, sometimes you work overtime or, or you're sick and you get less money. She would then cash in her check and divide it up into different envelopes, the food envelope, the mortgage envelope, the, the community to give back to the community envelope and so forth. And when she went food shopping, what she'd do is she'd grab the food envelope, drive to the food store, and then open the envelope when she arrived, and that was her budget. So yeah. what we have to realize is that even with volatile income, um, when we have to spend money, we still have to work within the confines, confines of the envelope, which kind of forces innovation and so forth. But I also realize there's certain fixed costs. I mean, a, a T-shirt's a T-shirt, and you can't say, you know, if a customer orders 100 T-shirts, hey, we're going to deliver 25. You know, are you good with that? You got to right. deliver 100 T-shirts. So what we need, that's a, that's a, fixed, uh, a fixed variable cost, meaning it's, it's a necessary cost. It varies based upon the demand of the customer. We need to allocate that too. So what I shared uh, when I kind of give that super fast outline of profit first was what I call the foundational five accounts, uh, operating expenses and profit and owner's pay and tax and the income account. But we, for certain businesses, you need additional accounts. And uh, particularly in this business where you have raw materials, the t-shirts, for example, that you need to buy, we need to set up an account for that. And we can call it raw materials, inventory purchase. So what happens is when money comes in, say a $10,000 order comes in and say the the raw materials cost, the cost for the T-shirts is maybe going to be $5,000. We allocate that percentage immediately. So $5,000 goes to that account. Then the remaining $5,000 is truly what your business is making. Because if you visualize this, you took $10,000 from the customer, but you didn't really take it for your business. You took half that money to give to the T-shirt vendor, the, the person who makes the T-shirts. You know, the customer... In theory, you could just give that money directly to the T-shirt company, but you're just managing the transfer of money. So you transfer five thousand to the T-shirt manufacturer, so you can get your supplies. Yeah. Then the five thousand—that's what you're truly being paid to run your business, to, to put the logos and the, and the content yeah. on the T-shirts. So we gotta actually run the profit system, the profit first system, off that remaining five thousand. That's what we allocate out. That's how you kind of replenish the uh, accounts to make these purchases and so forth. The problem is when you don't have a system like this, people see $10,000 come in, they say, oh, I earned $10,000. How should I spend it? I'll do this, I'll do this. And, and, and it's in a haphazard approach. The goal is in this envelope system, always divide the money up before you do anything else. Always allocate the money to the different accounts. Then those accounts will give you clarity on the intended use of those funds. One last trick is when you divide money up, 
Uh, and say there's not enough money to pay your bills. You, you divide this money up and you look at your operating expenses. You know, you've taken your profit, you've paid yourself, and you look at your operating expenses and you say, oh my gosh, I, I don't have enough money to pay my bills. That is your business giving you direct feedback that you actually have inefficiencies or you're improperly running your business. Because yeah. we're reverse engineering profit. When you take your profit first and you're compensating yourself first, the remainder is what you have to run your business off of. And if you can't run your business off it, it's not that you should cut your profit. It means that you're not running a business that can support that profit currently. we got to fix your business. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I love that because, I mean, I've had at least one business like that where um, back in the days where credit card companies would send you blank checks in the mail that you could write, mm -hmm. um, that's how I ran one of my businesses. And it's great to have those, those next big sales coming in and you still have money in the bank account. And that all looks really rosy right up until the time you have to close. Right. You know, because, because eventually, you know, as this, all this cash comes in, you know, the bank account looks good for a very brief period of time and then you start writing those checks. But, you know, if, if you go in for a loan or if, you, if you're talking to, you know, a different kind of accounting professional, you know, they're going to look at things like, well, what's your average bank balance? Right. right. So, and, and the average bank balance is going to look great because you're churning money in there, you know, all day and all night, you know, when you're actually not making any money at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and I see it like you, you know, just what you're mentioning there and what Mike just mentioned is, you know, as an order comes in, there is you are you're going to have to do something about about paying taxes, maybe sales tax and and eventually business tax yeah. you know, on that. So a piece of that needs to go there. You, you you're going to have to order T-shirts and ink and embroidery thread. So you, a portion of it has to go there. And, and then, and then you know, profit first. Most importantly, a portion of it has to go, this is how much money the, the business is profiting, is right. making. This way I know I'm successful. And if you do all of that math and you, for some reason you, you can't find any percent to put into the right. profit area, then you're playing a really risky game with your business. You're waiting for... For, for you, you're 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 going to strike. You're probably going to get stuck. You're never going to yeah. grow. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're you're well, you're one disaster away from from being from if, out of if business. you're if you're lucky in that situation, you'll have to close quickly before you get hypertension. Yeah, you, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. There, there's the one, one thing I see that I'd like you to kind of differentiate for us, Mike, um, because I want to make sure yeah. that the listeners understand is the difference between profit and owner compensation. Oh, yeah. Great question. So profit is a reward to the shareholders, the risk takers in the business. These are people who've made an investment in the business. Sometimes it's cash, right? Buying machinery, equipment. Uh, other times it's sweat equity, just raw effort. And usually it's a combination. And if you look at like a publicly traded company, I, I own stock in Ford. This is not a stock tip by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I own Ford. And uh, Ford does a quarterly stock distribution or, or profit distribution. And um, they, what they're doing is rewarding the shareholders. I don't work for Ford. Um, I, I don't do anything with Ford except I've invested in their stock. And Ford distributes the profit because they're rewarding the shareholders, the ultimate risk takers. Now, here's what's also interesting. When I get my distribution check, which is usually, you know, like 13 bucks or something, but 
I, I don't look at the money and say, oh my gosh, you know, Ford could really do better if they had all the profits reinvest in the company. I'm going to return this money to Ford. And actually, if all the shareholders would do it, they could buy new buildings. They could do amazing things. Hey, rah, rah, guys, let's give our money back. No, what I do as a shareholder, I say, I took on risk here. This, the value of the stock could go up, hopefully, or recently it's been going down. Um, so I've taken on risk. This is a reward for me for being a risk taker. We as small business owners have taken the ultimate risk. We, we, we've been, it's the inception of a business. When that profit comes out, this is a reward for doing what 97% of the world population will never do, which is start a business. Yeah. And it is never to be reinvested, plowed back, pushed back. Those are all soft terms for saying there is no profit. This is an expense. This is a reward for taking on massive risk. That's what profit is. Owner's comp is what's called the owner-operator pay. As an owner of a small business, inevitably, or in most cases, you're also working in the business. You are an employee of the business, and this is the reward for the most important employee you have. You may have some other people that work for you, but I suspect as the owner, no one works as hard as you. No one's as devoted to the business as you. No one knows as well as you. No one else is making the sacrifices like you do, sacrificing time with family and friends and, and all the things you do to make this business run. That is the definition of the world's greatest employee. Yeah. The owner's comp is the compensation for being a great, phenomenal employee. We have to secure that. Profit is a reward for being a shareholder. So these are two different things. Yeah. Our owner's compensation, by the way, is what support, should support our lifestyle. Just like our employees, if they're taking a salary from us, that supports their lifestyle. Our owner's comp should support our lifestyle. The profit is a bonus above and beyond. And just like a public company comes out every quarter, and when that profit comes out, Go celebrate with it. Again, the rule is never put it back in the business. If the business can't run off of what's been allocated to its operating expenses, there's something that needs to be improved in the business. And inevitably, it's cutting unnecessary costs. And there's usually 10, even 20% in most businesses that I've analyzed. And usually, and this is the biggest one that people miss, massive margin opportunities. How do you grow your margins? There's a huge upside there. and We need to pursue that. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that that what you said is is really important because a lot of a lot of the people that go into the custom apparel business, their mindset is really you know they just they want to fire their boss and they want to work for themselves, um, and right. so really they're just they're replace they're trying to replace their their salary that they used to make or the money that they used to make, um, only they're not getting any of the side benefits. Nobody's helping pay their insurance. Mm -hmm. You know, right. um, nobody's filling up the water cooler or paying for the air conditioning. So really, you're just you're kind of like we did a book review on the E Myth some time ago. Okay. You're really just becoming that that propreneur who spends all of their time working in their job just to get a paycheck. Profit is the point of being in business. It's the extra money after all of your expenses are paid after you make your salary. The profit is. You're right. Your reward for starting a business. It's not the job you do. It's not getting paid for the job you do inside the business. So I, I have, I, you know, what I feel is the, the, it's not a million dollar question. I think it's like a thousand dollar question. Okay. Good. Okay. And the reason why it's a thousand dollar <laughs> question is because when you start, if you are a really, I mean, you are a brand, brand new entrepreneur, this is how you're doing it. You know, you have a full-time or part-time job you're working. You finance a piece of equipment that's a few hundred bucks a month, 
and your bank account's not huge. You know, you've got $5,000 or less in your bank account. What you were trying to do is you were trying to achieve the American dream per se, right? Yeah. So you purchase a piece of equipment which allows you to produce something that you can create. Uh, You can sell something with a high margin because you're doing the labor, and then you can build that and build that and build that, and eventually you get to the point where you can fire your boss because the business can support you. Yeah. Where, so at what point in time do you pay, start to pay yourself? At what point in time do you start to put profit yeah. in? Like, what, like, if I just got a piece of equipment and my first order was nine shirts yeah. and that, mm-hmm. that it made, you know, that, that in the end, my, my, my quote unquote profit, right. I just meaning, meaning my, the very simple word version of yeah. word profit, the cost of my goods minus what they paid for, yeah. right? The shirts cost me 20 bucks and I charged a hundred dollars. I made right. $80, the simple yeah. profit. Um, so where, when do you start? And, and then if it's right, and then if the answer is right away, how yeah. do I even do that when my orders are $300? I think you've, you've already sold yourself short. That's at least a $1,200 question. <laughs> okay. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, the best time to start was yesterday, and if you missed that, then then it is now. The key, though, is to start slowly. This is like the, the same question is, you know, when should I start exercising? Uh, you know, the answer is today, of course, right? But most of us like to delay it, delay it, and say, well, if I wait long enough, then I'll be ready. And you know probably how that goes. Like You don't exercise, don't exercise. You actually build uh, a propensity to not exercising. So, but the key, though, for example, with exercise, is when you do start, the, the the error that many people make is they go in full bore. They're like, oh, I gotta, I gotta really crank this up, and they injure themselves, or it's too painful. It's actually starting slowly and building a muscle that helps. So with profit first, uh, the goal is to start immediately, but to start slowly. Just allocate one percent of your income toward uh, profit. So that order comes in, one percent goes to profit, and the ninety nine percent. Um, can still go toward just running your business like you have in the past or or just paying off all your debt. And I realize um, you may have, in the beginning, more debt than you do income, but it's still important to start that profit muscle because when you see that account start filling up, you start looking at your business from a new perspective. You start saying, oh, what can I do to sustain this profit? You start reverse engineering profit. So Short answer, start immediately. We need that muscle in place. And the, the longer you delay, and, and we have now you know, literally tens of, we have over 75,000 companies doing profit first. We have 2,000 documented case studies. And we've seen every flavor now, I think, of this. And the people who wait and put it off rarely ever get started, almost never. Mm-hmm. The people who start abruptly and try to do the whole system from day one have the highest failure rate. It's too intense. The people who start the system but start slowly and persistently grow it over time have the greatest success rate. Gotcha. So, so maybe, and correct me if, if, if I might be wrong on this, but this is how I might envision our customer doing it, right? Okay. You just bought a piece of equipment. You've, you've made an investment. You're starting your business. You get your first order, and it's not big. Right. It's, it's, it's $400, yeah. right? It's $200. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, whatever it is, it's your first order. Um, so you have a few accounts, 
You take you take one percent one percent of it. You know, like you said, you started slowly. Yeah. You know, your first one's like I'm just going to take one percent of this order. I'm going to take I'm going to take ten bucks and put it into this bank account. Yeah. Now I, I have to pay myself. How, how I can't pay myself a salary because my salary is more than three hundred dollars. Right. So maybe you start with like an hourly rate. So you say, well, I'm just, to start my business. I'm going to start slow. I'm going to pay myself. $20 an hour. Yeah. I'm making a choice and a number. So, and it took me four hours to do this. So I'm going to pay myself a hundred dollars. And I put that into my yeah. pay account. And then I know I'm going to have to pay the government 6%. So I just take 6% of it and put here. And then I know the, the shirts are going to cost me 20%. So and then I thought that expenses, right. Uh, and then, and then that's kind of, and then that's kind of it. Does that, does that make sense, Mike? Yeah, you, you nailed it. You nailed it, right? Okay. And, and you start having realizations um, well, as you go through this process saying, oh, my gosh, uh, the T-shirts I'm buying uh, are too expensive for what I'm charging. So there's only two fixes to that. Buy cheaper T-shirts or probably the better one is price higher. And now, of course, you say if I price higher, my competition, uh, they're going to price cheaper than me. Um, which, by the way, is a very bad conversation to have in your head because now you're positioning yourself as a commodity thinking the competition's the same. The better yeah. conversation is how do I dictate a higher price point where the customer's thrilled to pay the higher price point? I, think, so, I think we have 57 podcasts on that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be beautiful. Right. So, yeah, listen to those 57 podcasts. But, but what happens is our business starts forcing these questions. You know, in the old scenario, every dollar that came in, we, we use – going out the door. Like, we use everything. And then we sacrifice ourselves mm -hmm. uh, because at least we can, you know, at least the customer won't complain because I'm sacrificing myself. But there'll be a day where you resent your business. Because you're like, it's just sucking my soul and my cash. So what Profit First does is it forces hard internal conversations immediately in your business. So you run your business more effectively. Those conversations yeah. are going to happen anyway. If you don't do the Profit First mm -hmm. system, it's going to happen anyway. That's the day you face bankruptcy or, or you're in that moment where if I don't get this, this sale today, I don't know how I'm going to cover payroll moment. And that happens for every business if you don't start doing the system. So that conversation's coming. What we're going to do is force that conversation early so you can position your business to be healthy. And I, I think, I think that's, that's so important because, you know, uh, you know I'm, a, I'm a light, I'm a low quality QuickBooks user. And I've done my yeah. own my own books inside QuickBooks, and I've worked with my wife, the accountant, to do my books inside of QuickBooks. And as a sales and marketing guy, completely with no other talents whatsoever, I know that I bought this for X dollars and I sold it for Y dollars, so I know that I made this amount of money. Yeah, hundred percent. I know that. I can't find it anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like right. I'm looking in, in QuickBooks and I look at the end of the month and, and it, it's it's one thing or another. It's either that I know I made just a crap load of money because I bought a thousand shirts for 10 bucks and I sold a thousand shirts for $25. I know I made a lot of money, but I'm looking at my one bank account and I can't find any of it. Yeah. So I, right. I think like that's it. The idea of, you know, I've got one account. I've got the, the, the dinner tray. I've got one account that all the money goes into, and then it immediately goes out to all those other, those other accounts, at least the, the five total accounts to start with, correct? Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, the funny thing is, um, just going back to QuickBooks, a lot of people say, you know, uh, well, do I really need to do this with my bank? It seems uh, it's a pain in the butt. 
it's, it's a lot of reconciliations, moving money around, and plus my bank will charge me fees. Um, why don't I just do this in my accounting system or on a spreadsheet? And that, when I hear people say that and believe that, it's a, it's a fatal flaw. It's, it's, the, it's the final nail in the coffin because your accounting system actually already is doing this. Your accounting system has what's called a chart of accounts, and a chart of accounts maintains all the different allocations of money, uh, profit, how much you've paid yourself. All that stuff's already there. So I just ask people, I say, listen, your accounting system actually already has all this accounted for. How is it serving you? And they say, well, I'm not profitable. I'm like, exactly. What we need to do, again, is intercept our natural behavior. If our natural behavior is to log into our bank and, and check out what our money situation is, then we need a system that is at our bank and uh, allocates the money. And again, kind of reiterating a point here, but when money is pre-allocated to its purpose, you know its intended use. The, the sequence of how we do this actually is important. So if you have that order for T-shirts come in, we, the first thing to actually do is allocate the money toward profit, not toward operating expenses, even though it's a percentage-based system. So it, the slices of the pie always work the same. There's a behavioral reason behind this. When we allocate money, transfer money to a profit account first, you'll feel a natural like reward mechanism. You're like, oh, hey, I just took a profit. That's cool. Then yeah. the second thing you do is you do owner's compensation. That's paying you. You're like, hey, that's cool. The third thing you do is pay taxes. You're like, hey, that kind of sucks. I hate paying taxes, but <laughs> at, least, um, at least I'm adhering to the law and I'm not going to go to jail. So at least yeah. there's a protection mechanism. And then the, the final allocation is toward the operating expenses, the expenses of the business. And that's an awareness point. I was saying at that point when you can't pay your bills, and it may happen, when you can't pay your bills, that's your business telling you you're not in the position to currently afford those bills. We need to fix something. Again, cut costs. But you can only do that so far before you cut into the muscle of the business. So cut unnecessary costs, but really look for uh, ways to expand the value you're delivering and therefore dictate a premium. Cool. Yeah. And, and there's, <clears throat> there's uh, so many podcasts that we have about all the things you can do to really help fix some of that final problem that you mentioned, where yeah. it's basically you're not making enough money. Yeah. To, to to do everything you just said. Yeah. Um, and it's about it's about um, you know selling better T-shirts, selling to the right people, selling to the niche markets. And so if right. you're listening to this right now and you're kind of like, yeah, I, I I like this, but the problem is is uh you know there's too much competition or there's or or, or my T-shirts are too expensive now or whatever it is. Yeah. Right. None of that's true. You know, if if you're running into that, then you need to just, like you mentioned, fix something. Yeah. And fixing it, and what everyone immediately tries to do is like they want to go and they're like, well, how can I save four dollars on a roll of vinyl? Right. How can I save you know like a few bucks on some thread? And it's like what you're doing is you are your your business is bleeding. And you're and you're attempting to to fix a big wound with a bunch of tiny band aids that aren't going to do anything. Right. So for one, it's like you have to do the first thing, which is you know if you if you if you get injured and you you go to the hospital and you get the treatment, and I think like the treatment might be this profit first. Right. You right. know, like you first get make sure that your business is doing your body's in health, your right. business is in health. Right. Uh, and then turn around and actually start doing things to make more money. Yeah. And make better money, meaning that like you're not trying to shave twenty cents off the cost of a t-shirt because that really doesn't matter. Unless yeah. I mean, if you're doing tens of thousands of shirts, it's a lot of money. I, I, I think but, I think the 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 
podcasts that we most talk about are the is a trilogy trilogy we did on um, how to make more money next month. Yeah, you know, so and, mm. and there's a lot of strategies in those that you can use to try to to try to bring up that top line. Um, you know, just being careful that that's not the point of your business isn't driving up the top line. You know, the the other side of that is like like Mike has, has said a couple of times so far is that, you know, you can't judge the success of your business on the revenues. Yeah. You know, oh, my God. Um, that's the, yeah, that's the bane to most people. You know, there's a saying that revenue is vanity, profit is sanity, and cash is king. And it's yeah. so true. It's unbelievable how many people are uh, persuaded, including myself. I used to be persuaded by the size of a business. I'd hear a business does a million dollars in revenue. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. But I now consider revenue a stress point. Like I have a million dollars of responsibility if I'm doing a million dollars in revenue to yeah. other clients. I have to deliver a million dollars of promises. That's stress. Profit yeah. is the, the stress release program uh, or, or pill. The more profit I have, it brings that balance about. And uh, I am far more impressed by a, a company that does say $100,000 in revenue uh, and is taking home $50,000 in profit as opposed to a company that does a million dollars in revenue and is taking $50,000 in profit. Yeah, that's, the, that's a good point. Yeah. That, it, cause it, yeah. The other thing I want to share too is, uh, you know, I buy T-shirts and, and different embroidered goods. And uh, one thing my own guy did, which I thought was so impressive, and I, I paid a premium for it and was glad to do it, I was buying T-shirts uh, for our internal staff, and he asked a question that no one in the past asked. He goes, what's the reason you're doing this? I explained, well, you know, we want to have an employee loyalty program. We really want to retain our employees. And he said, you know, I got an idea as, we were, as he was digging in. He said, let's, let's do your shirts, but let's embroider something internally on the shirt that touches their heart. Because that actually came out of the theme which we're talking about. The, 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 the motto of our business is to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. He goes, let's embroider that also on the inside of the shirt, something that will touch their heart at all times, and it's known to them. And uh, I was like, that's a genius idea because he wasn't now making a commodity shirt. He was serving the intended purpose of, of retaining employees. My employees yeah. were thrilled. They never saw anything like this. I was thrilled because it served my purpose, and he was thrilled because he charged a premium for doing something that no one else you know, even proposed to me. So yeah, I think so there's like, opportunity. And I know you discussed this in your episode. Message me, message me that guy's information because um, if, uh, if he is a, a CAS podcast listener, I'm going to throw a party here at work. I really am. <laughs> yeah, his name's Tom well, O'Dowd. I'll, I'll give him a heads up. Yeah, and, and what's what's so great about it is because this is these are things that we talk about where we say, you know, ask your – what do they want? Like, what's the purpose of the what? Why like, why are you buying these shirts? Yeah. What are they for? Why do you like? Why do you why do you want them cheaper? Well, you know, why do you think that having a cheaper shirt is better? Um, what's actually going on? Is it for your business? You know, oh, well, it's for your business. It's for your outdoor working. You know, employees. You know, your landscapers. Yeah, right. Like the cheapest right. T-shirt is not the solution. Yeah. That's like the worst. Right. Thing. You're, you're you're throwing money away. Right. Right. You know, what's interesting is I, I believe we need to sort, when it comes to profitability, sort our clients, and, and you guys already alluded to this, is that you know, not all clients are built the same. And I think there's two typical categories. There is what's called commodity shoppers, where they see the item they need as a necessity, but readily available anywhere, and all options are basically the same. That's the commodity shopper. And yeah. by the way, that does represent the majority of customers in any market. They're just looking for the cheapest, easiest, most convenient solution. 
The minority, but the best customers, are ones who see this service as life-saving. And what I mean by that is uh, the analogy I like to use is doctors. A general practitioner is basically a commodity. If, if, if my general practitioner says, you know what, I'm moving my offices uh, 50 miles down the road or I'm moving to a different state, would you still be my patient? I'd be like, no, uh, you just check me for when I have the sniffles or a skin rash, I'll go to a local. But then there's lifesavers like a heart surgeon. And if I have heart disease, I want the world's best heart surgeon, and I don't care if I have to traverse the entire uh globe to get to the best heart surgeon for my life-saving needs yeah. well customers see us in one of those two categories a convenient you know guy is just addressing a rash or they see this decision as life-saving or, or life important to their business there's consumers i happen to be one of them that sees you know shirts and the the uniform uh, for my employees and for my members of my organization as life-serving like it, it's it's critical to represent ourselves in a certain professional format and therefore, I'm willing to pay a premium, and I'm willing to you know, navigate the globe, if you will, to find the right solution, the right provider. And I think we as vendors need to categorize our customers. What customers that we have right now are the commodity shoppers, and which ones are the ones that see the, the true additional value add that we have? Those customers are the biggest opportunity for more profitability and for more growth. Uber cater to the ones who see the value in you and uh, the ones who don't see value in you, quite frankly, they're secondary customers. If they're looking for price and you go up a little bit, they're going to move on. Well, that's a commodity shopper. Let's focus on the value-based customers. Yeah, and, and you know what? That, those, those people will they'll get automatically filled out if you start putting your, putting your revenues that percentage of your revenues into the profit account first. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. They, they automatically get sorted out. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Great. All great. Right. Well, it's, if I, Mike, if you have, have anything else, I, I don't think those are great closing words. But yeah. If you have anything else to add before we go today, um, I, I think this is a great opportunity for our listeners here to do something that's really yeah. different. Yeah. And, okay. and before before you before you uh, mention it, I just want to say, you know, I've got up on my screen uh, profitfirstbook.com. Would would that be yep. the best place for for our listeners to start interacting with you, Mike, and, and getting in on the Profit First system? Yeah, so um, that's not necessarily the best place. ProfitFirstBook.com is the advertisement, if you will, for the book. If you want okay. to discover the book, yeah, definitely go there. The best place to go is MikeMcCallowitz.com. But here's the trick. Go to MikeMotorbike.com. That's the shortcut because I can't spell Mike McCallowitz half the time. So Mike <laughs> Motorbike. Try that out. That was my nickname in high school, by the way. Mike and then Motorbike. And that will automatically forward you on to my website. Um, I love that. Or you can go to Mike McCallowitz. Mike, Mike Motorbike. MikeMotorbike.com. Mike Motorbike. Yeah. That's and what great. happens once you get there, it's 1-0. Uh, once you get to MikeMotorbike.com, uh, you, what you'll – Yes, it's one O. It's M O T O R. Delete one of those O's. There you go. There you go. It will actually forward you on to my website. You can pass by that welcome mat by by clicking on that little link below. Um, okay. But this is this is my personal website. Um, here's what I think may be interesting. First of all, all my books you can get uh, all the free chapter downloads for my books. It's it's either two to five chapters. I mean, you can really dig into these books without even making a purchase. Um, at Amazon or wherever you buy your books. But the other thing is I used to write for the Wall Street Journal for many years, and uh, my best articles are in the Wall Street Journal archive. So if you're a subscriber to the Wall Street Journal, uh, you can get the articles that way. Or 
on my website, when you sign up, you get all my articles for free. And uh, they're some of the best articles I believe I've ever written. Many of them uh, inspired some of the books I've written. So that's MikeMichalowitz.com or the shortcut is MikeMotorbike.com. I, I haven't done that yet. I'm definitely going to do that. And I got to tell you, I'm scrolling over these books. I'm ready to buy the calendar. When you, <laughs> yes, when so you that, print it up, I'm, I'm in. Um, that's so funny. So, I, you know, one thing I, I asked, I was, I, I'm really into studying kind of human behavior. It's kind of like a little hobby. And I was interviewing a guy named Robert, uh, Roger Dooley, who is a behavioral psychologist uh, in marketing. And he told me this little thing. He goes, the more variety pictures, uh, the, the larger the variety of pictures that people see of you, the more engaged they get. Yet most websites with an author will be one static picture. So I was like, oh, I want people to be highly engaged. He's like, you got to have a big variety of pictures. So that's why as you move around and you'll find some kind of golden goose eggs or some jokes there uh, too that you'll find as you navigate other parts of that page. Um, do you guys want the, the bonus tip like what you can do now? Yeah, please do. All right, here it is. I think your listeners, I think this will have a massive impact. It, it takes less than less than 30 minutes, and it can it will be a game changer in profitability. It's real simple. Start slow, and how, here's how you do it. Call your bank today. I mean, you've heard this podcast. Do not hesitate. You get rewarded for action, not for idleness. Call your bank and set up one account called Profit. Make it a savings account and allocate 1% of any deposits that come in into the Profit account. Because you know, we're talking, if you have a $400 order, I'm, I'm not saying, you know, take much money. I'm taking, take 1%, which is four bucks. Yeah. Put that in the profit account. Because if you can run your business off of $400, you can run your business off of 396 The impact yeah. to running your business is inconsequential. But the impact to uh, moving profit in your business and start building it is massive. Because what happens every time you log in, you start seeing this small, albeit consistently growing profit account. And then... I believe it's only a matter of time before you change that 1% to 2 or 3 or 5 and over time you start building that profit muscle. This is the equivalent of getting the gym membership and just going there for some stretching exercises. That's how you start and over time you'll be you know, bench pressing 300 pounds or whatever your goal is. Yeah. But uh, with your profit account, if you start slow, it's just a matter of time. Maybe it's months, maybe it's years, but you'll be extraordinarily profitable if you start today. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really, that. I'm really happy you said that because um, every episode I always like to leave somebody with what I will say, like some homework to do. Yeah, you know, I'm like take an action on something right now in this. You know, yeah. go and do this right now, and that's the yeah. perfect one. I love it because you, you don't even have to have read the book or listen to any of your or anything yet. Yeah, the first one of the first things you could do is log on to your bank or call them. Uh, because you could do pro and probably logging on to your bank account and creating another new savings account probably will take you 12 minutes tops. Yeah. And then boom, you're done. And then the next time an order comes in, you throw 1% in there and it's, and it's, you've already taken action. Boom. You've taken the first step. And then the second thing you do is you probably look at a bunch of, uh, of other stuff from Mike and see yeah. what else you can learn. Going in the show yeah. notes. <laughs> Go, you made the show. Yeah. Notes. Yeah, nicely yeah. done. Thanks for the plug there. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, no problem. Happy to do it. Great. Well, thank you. Yeah, really appreciate that. Um, this has been uh, Mike McCallowitz from Profit First and uh, MikeMcCallowitz.com or, because I can't spell it, MikeMotorbike.com. That's right. Mike That's Motorbike. Right. 
<laughs> bike, motorbike. Yeah, uh, it's a tongue twister, I guess. Yeah. I know. All right, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening. This has been Mark Stevenson from Coldessi and Mark Viola from Coleman and Company. You guys um, have a great business. Woo!